If you're seeking to expand your business and maintain its resilience, FM Global is your ideal property insurance partner. Backed by more than 180 years of engineering expertise and scientific research, we offer cutting-edge solutions to safeguard your business today, ensuring your prosperity tomorrow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into the Lineup Logic Podcast, the daily fantasy podcast, bringing you lineup construction ideas for the DFS slate to come on FanDuel. I'm your host, Sean Kane, and like you, I am wondering how and why the two best pitching options on this slate are getting hit right now. <laughs> Lance McCullers gives up five runs through five against the Blue Jays after some, you know, a perfect open. Uh, and then uh, the only people on the Rays, like Wilson Ramos, who can hit Chris Sale, hit Chris Sale. Wilson Ramos just sent one into the seats. Um, what are you going to do? It's one of the you're gonna do. It's one of those uh, one of those one of those nights where um, you're gonna see uh, guys regress. Um, excellent, excellent early season numbers uh, start to normalize a little bit, you know. And we're gonna see this every so often from elite pitchers. Uh, but we've got a nice uh, a nice Friday slate that we've got to talk about. Fourteen games on this one. Two games. Uh, from the early slate are not going to be available to us. San Diego, Philadelphia will just be striking each other out like silly. Uh, while <laughs> Pittsburgh, Chicago is an afternoon game affair in um, in in Wrigley Field. So we'll move on to the main slate that features tw- uh, four. Uh, excuse me, thirteen games. Thirteen games on the main slate for Friday night. Let's jump in and take a look at what we've got on the Friday night slate. All right, uh, everything opens up in Washington with Max Scherzer going up against R.A. Dickey. We've seen this one before. Washington can hit the cover off the ball when R.A. Dickey is on the mound. You know, it's one of those spots where you're definitely going to have to look at the righties here. Um, You know, Zimmerman, Rendon, uh, Daniel Murphy also hits him really, really well. So, uh, certainly an interesting spot for the Nats uh, against Dickey, who are heavy favorite. Scherzer, obviously in an excellent spot. Atlanta projected for only 2.8 runs even um, with our man Freddie Freeman back in the lineup, which should make things interesting enough, you know, to be honest with you. Having Freddie Freeman back, this should be an interesting spot. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman actually has interesting BVP against Scherzer uh, throughout his career. Um, you know, he is pretty much the only one with decent actual averages uh and his return to the lineup should change things a little bit here but vegas certainly doesn't think so uh they're expecting atlanta only 2.8 runs uh tonight or tomorrow night in this one 
Milwaukee, New York, Junior Guerra will go up against Junior Jordan Montgomery. And no surprise here, the Yankees are getting six runs in this one in Yankee Stadium. Junior Guerra, not been an excellent pitcher recently. Really, really struggled. We are certainly comfortable stacking the Yankees. But on a Friday night... Uh, In Yankee Stadium against a bad pitcher, you're going to see a lot of Yankees chalk. So uh, we'll we'll tread lightly. We'll talk about it. Fern and I will talk about how you could possibly you know create some interesting exposures there. Uh, You know, switching up your the way you stack. uh, You know, creating unique stacks. I think good option. um, Good option going into what should be a full slate. Uh, Houston, Toronto, Charlie Morton versus Aaron Sanchez. Nine and a half runs projected in this one. Houston projected for only five runs. Houston struggling right now. We got that Marwin Gonzalez stinger. They struck. They they they, they threw in another run on top of that. But they're not doing uh, Houston things against Frankie Liriano, which is very very interesting to me. They profiled very well in this one. Kind of an interesting, uh, you know, strange to see them struggle against a pitcher like Liriano, who has really struggled uh, against righties all year. Um, but they'll get Aaron Sanchez. They are pretty good against righties here. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know how much of this game I'll have. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, 15 games, there's a lot of other spots that you're going to have to look at. Uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, this series will continue. Pomeranz versus Odorizzi. Um, you know, uh, Boston is a favorite here, but not by much. Um, Pomeranz is certainly the better pitcher, but I think it says a lot about Tampa Bay's offense that they believe, uh, they should be able to hit Pomeranz. And, you know, with the return of Wilson Ramos to the middle of this lineup, they have added a righty who can hit lefties and he's doing it tonight. He's doing it against Chris Sale. If he can do it against Chris Sale, you better believe he can do it against Drew Pomeranz. Um, Detroit Cleveland uh, nine runs projected here as Jordan Zimmerman goes up against Carlos Carrasco we just saw this series in Detroit Zimmerman got um, only got through four innings against the the Indians in that one gave up four runs uh, one dinger to uh, Jose Ramirez who just keeps hitting the ball out of the park uh, did it against um, did it against the young fella Denelson Lamette tonight and Carrasco pitched a nice game against Detroit, but you guys know Carrasco's home splits. We don't pitch Carrasco at home. It's just something weird happens when he gets back in progressive field. Not going to touch it. Uh, Call me superstitious. Um, L.A. versus Texas. Texas, Ricky Nolasco going up against Cole Hamels. Texas getting 5.2 runs here. Makes a lot of sense, but the uh, Angels are also getting a decent number at 4.2 I, this is an interesting game stack. Two teams. Um, well, I certainly love the, the Rangers in this spot. I think that they are in a great position against Alasco, a guy who absolutely gets smoked by right-handers. They have power righties throughout this lineup. I really like those guys um, quite a bit. You know, the Carlos Gomez's and Adrian Beltres of the world. We'll talk about them. And on the LA side, they're cheap. Um, do I do I love them against a right-hander? No, they haven't shown a lot of pop or power. Um, but there are a couple bats that you can fill in there that are interesting right-handers in, in this matchup. Um, Baltimore, Minnesota, 10.5 runs projected here. Uh, we just got store, starters announced. Kevin Gaussman versus Felix Jorge. Um, and, you know, Baltimore is projected for 5.3 runs because this Felix Jorge kid just got called up. Um, he had a really nice start. 
uh, his first start um, against Kansas City. Just kind of managed the game, didn't really get a lot of strikeouts. Um, you know, went through five innings. He's just kind of a fill-in guy. Uh, you know, gave up some hits, but didn't really get shelled. But, you know, just kind of managed some innings, just soaked up some innings. And that's kind of what they have him doing here, Minnesota does. Um, you know, could Baltimore certainly uh, get a hold of him? Yeah, absolutely they could. I mean, they hit, you know, Mark Trumbo just hit a home run off of um, Jose Barrios, you know, and Barrios is in a much better pitcher than Jorge is. Um, so, uh, it makes sense that Vegas would give Baltimore this kind of a total. Minnesota going up against Gaussman. Um, you know, they are, gosh, they are tilting. If they can't do good work against uh, Bundy tonight, there's really no reason to look at them here. And Gaussman is certainly trending in the right direction. Just uh, in his last four games, he has had 7Ks, 9Ks, and 9Ks. Now, he struggled in Toronto. Um, but he still got the win in that one. So Gaussman is certainly seems to be finding his stuff. And in fact, um, you know, he might be an interesting GPP option, um, with the way that he's racking up some of these strikeouts, uh, Mets Cardinals, Jacob deGrom versus Carlos Martinez. Um, this is a great spot for deGrom, but it's interesting. St. Louis is getting 4.3 runs here. I can't necessarily see why? Um, I don't really see. I, I, I Yes, I see the Cardinals as an improved lineup with the way that they've moved guys around here. They've got some of these young guys up here and in Grichik and, and Fam and stuff like that. But I just do not see any reason that um, the way DeGrom has been pitching that the cards should be favored here. Um, makes sense that the Mets maybe have, you know, four. I, but this seems more like it should be a pick em, four runs for each. Um, Carmo is definitely in a good spot against the Mets, but the Mets just don't strike out that much, to be completely honest with you. They just don't swing that hard against righties. Um, they've been pretty disciplined. So I don't know how much Carmo I want to have, but I certainly am interested in DeGrom, even with the disrespect from Vegas here. Um, White Sox, White Sox Rockies, 12 and a half runs projected in cores. Holy smokes. Colorado getting seven of those runs. White Sox getting five and a half of those runs. Derek Holland versus Herman Marquez. I can't not stand the Rockies. You guys can roster the Rockies all you want. Uh, this may just be the tilt talking for me, but the Rockies have just kind of gone on my do not roster list. You can't hit a kid that this, they couldn't hit Sal Romano today, whatever that guy's name is from the Reds, the fill in starter who absolutely got shelled in two innings in his first start out. He goes five innings against them. They can't even hit the Reds' bullpen. Um, the Rockies just are not – they're not a great baseball team. They don't make enough good contact. You know, they are wasting that ballpark. Now, the White Sox, on the other hand, massive park upgrade. I think this is the kind of team that people may overlook in Coors Field. I love them in this spot against um, Herman Marquez. I certainly think this could be a good spot to go to the White Sox in Coors Field. Cincinnati, Arizona, nine runs projected here, uh, and Arizona is favored. Uh, the Reds only getting 3.7 runs. They're going up against Zach Granke, and they'll be pitching Tim Adelman. Uh, you know, Arizona has been has been a tough team to pin down, but they're certainly better against righties than they are against lefties, and they're certainly better at home uh, than anything. So you could look at Arizona – 
in the desert tomorrow night for sure. Kansas City, L.A. Uh, in Dodger Stadium, eight and a half runs projected here. Jason Hamill versus Kenta Maeda. The Dodgers are getting five runs, and the Royals are only getting 3.4 runs. The Royals, guys, are quickly turning into the Detroit Tigers. We roster them really pretty quickly against left-handed pitching. They have been excellent of late. Their numbers against right left-handers have been very, very solid. They are certainly turning it around, but this is not a spot for them. I think that we need to go there uh, against Maeda. Now, Maeda has been prone to blow up every once in a while, but he did have a... Um, you know, he did have one solid start. He seems to, like, rotate when he has a good start and a bad start. Um, but, yeah, he got busted up pretty bad by the by, by the Padres, of all people. That's interesting. Um, so you could look at, I don't know, you could look at the Royals here, maybe. Um, and you could look at Maeda. You could make a case for both. Oakland, Seattle, eight runs projected here. Sean Maniah versus James Paxton. Paxton, a favorite here. Everybody loves James Paxton. Everybody loves James Paxton. I am not a huge James Paxton fan just because I'm I'm just scared. I'm just scared, to be completely honest with you. Two good starts in his most recent. Goes at least six innings in both of them, but that's against two soft-hitting teams in L.A. and Philadelphia. And remember, the, last, the other two starts in Detroit and Texas, those are two teams that create a lot of hard contact. He barely made it through. Okay, guys, those are teams that made a lot more contact. Oakland already hit him around this year once earlier in the year. He only made it through four innings. I'm just not touching it. I don't know. Fern's going to talk about it, I know, but I just don't know if it's a spot that I can go to him here against the Oakland, even though Oakland has been rolling out these very strange watered-down lineups. Miami, San Francisco, Dan Straley versus Matt Moore in this one. San Francisco's offense has been... um, you know, quietly half, well, I was going to say half decent, and then they put up this absolute dud today. Um, but Dan Straley, you know, not a terrible pitcher, not a great pitcher. Matt Moore is a terrible pitcher, but Miami's only projected for just over four runs in this one in um, in AT&T. You got to think that's the ballpark because Matt Moore is really bad at baseball. Um, The numbers are absolutely terrible, so Miami is certainly in a good spot here, and I have no problem with going to a team like Miami on the road in this spot. For whatever reason, it seems like they've been better on the road. They woke up in that St. Louis series and and started to to kind of, you know, play well, uh, you know, and and they hit the ball out of the park a couple times. Um, So I, I certainly think that they are startable against Matt Moore in this spot. Um, but that's it. That's what we got, guys. 13 games here. Lots of really interesting spots. Uh, number of games over 10. Um, a course, you know, Chase Field, all of these things. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, player breakdown and figure out who we love. All right, jumping into the player breakdown. Of course, it's late Thursday night. That means I'm on the phone. Well, not the phone, the internet. <laughs> recording device with my man Josh Fernandez Fern freshly returning from vacation re- rested rejuvenated with uh, some nice sun on your face like Chris Christie <laughs> yeah I saw that man I, I saw he like closed the beaches or whatever and some drone person with a drone caught yeah caught him on the beach chilling oh man what an idiot I know awesome. right but yeah no feeling good 
the in-laws bought a house um, last year in Hampton, Virginia, and it's like yeah. crazy cheap. I mean, relative to what I'm used to home prices here in Maryland, but bought a nice little uh, inexpensive uh, house a couple blocks from the beach in Hampton, Virginia, near Virginia Beach, sort of, and... Uh, yeah, just spent the last week just being a beach bum, drinking brewskis and playing cornhole and hanging out with the kids. It was it was awesome. That's great, man. And That's no DFS I either, which I and and I I, I got to tell you, like I'm ready to go after kind of clearing my mind from from the DFS grind. Which honestly, like I mean, you and I have been nonstop pretty much every single day oh, yeah. for like the last six months plus. Yeah, I you know I I steep myself in it so often and so much that I I pretty much take the weekends off these days, um, just to kind of get away from it and have normal free time. So um, yeah, you need it sometimes. You got to get away. Got to be done with it for a little while and then get back into it. If you're not curious, like you know, I think it's it's a lot of it is about curiosity, right? If you're not curious, if you're not interested in finding out more information, if you're not like really, really, really seeking, uh, you know, like good information, you're not going to find it. It's, it's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to make lazy lineups and you're not going to be interested and you're not going to go do the extra research that you need to do. So you got to have the time. You got to have the mental space. I, I agree. You need to take a break every once in a while. So yeah. I'm glad yeah. you're back, though. Me too. Yeah, and, you know, apologies to patrons, you know, not being in the cheat sheets this week. But, you know, got to uh, got to take a break. Got to spend time with the family. Got to clear my old noggin. And uh, from here on out, I'm back in action for uh, for you guys on the cheat sheet. So I'm excited to... Get this bad boy going, so let's break this sucker down, Shawnee. Yeah, let's do it for sure, for sure. All right, so we got quite a few arms on this Friday slate to talk about. And, you know, I guess the first thing is is we're not going to necessarily tell people uh, – you know, we, 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 didn't, we, didn't add, we didn't add Scherzer to our list here. Um, but Max Scherzer is, is an elite play anytime he's on the slate. He's the highest-priced pitcher on, on the slate. I don't know – Fern, two two questions that I have for you, and and I'll I'll let you answer these, and and I think that this is this is you know de- decent decent concerns and questions about whether or not you should roster. Basically, who is this the guy who is the best pitcher in the league besides Chris Sale? Um, one is does the return of Freddie Freeman to the lineup scare you? Do the lefties in the Atlanta lineup scare you enough to think that Scherzer could struggle? That's the first question. And then the second question is, do you think that Scherzer's price is actually going to depress his ownership? Those, Um, I think, are two key questions to Max Scherzer. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, let's talk price first. Um, He is at 12-4, and... um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that ownership is going to be depressed in, you know, relative to the size of the slate, you know, like, and if we're talking about GPPs, you know, let's say we're talking about five to ten thousand 
entry GPPs, you know, like the the $1, $2 GPPs, right? Like, I don't think you're going to see ownership depressed in those uh, because of the price. Because, A, like, I think, you know, people gravitate towards Scherzer because of his consistency and upside. You know, I mean, no other player, um, I guess, outside of Chris Sale this season has that consistent upside of, like, 50, 60 points like Scherzer does. You know, and you have to be, you know, like completely dedicated to being a contrarian if you are willing to or to ignore that. I mean, it's just it's so hard to ignore, you know, I mean, if you just look at his game logs, I mean, let me just pull those up real quick. I mean, you know, 67 points, 43, 61, 61, 50, 73, 67, 70. I mean, like we're talking about the Russell Westbrook <laughs> of uh, of uh, MLB DFS. I mean, he's just consistently putting up elite numbers, and yeah, it's at a high price. Um, and yeah, there's going to be slates where there's other appealing options on the slate, uh, such as this particular slate. Um, but yeah, I don't know if ownership's going to be depressed that much. And honestly, I I really don't care because. You know, you're going to make your money off of knowing the lower priced options in positive situations. So I would not fade Scherzer. Um, You know, I definitely want to get exposure to other areas uh, for sure. But I would not fade Scherzer. And I don't think other people are going to either, regardless of, you know, if he was 13-4, 12-4, 11-4, like, you know, with that consistency it's hard to worry so much about the price um as for the matchup against atlanta uh those lefties yeah you know you got freddie freeman back um obviously matt adams has been uh swinging a a big bat uh for the last what couple months or so um and then you know you have i don't want to say dangerous bats but pesky lefty bats and markakis uh inciarte um you know, and then there's a few other, you know, guys in there like that you sometimes will worry about, you know, Flowers and Phillips, um, Kemp, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm not too worried about it because when I look at who he's played, I mean, you know, he put up 43 against Chicago. Um, I mean, they're not like, you know, the most devastating lineup, but, you know, they do boast some elite bats in there. You know, he put up 61 against the Mets, 50 against the Rangers. He put up 73 against the Dodgers, who are arguably the best team in baseball. So I'm not worried one bit about, you know, him matching up with um, with Atlanta. And I'll, and I'll leave it at this and then hear what you have to say if there's anything else you want to add, Sean, is, you know, there was a situation going back to Russell Westbrook um, – in uh, the NBA season where Oklahoma City, and I'm just like going on the fly here, so forgive me, but I I can't remember. I want to say it was like San Antonio or some elite defensive team, and everybody was like, oh, fade Westbrook, you know. He's going against this elite defensive team. It was like Dallas maybe, or I think it was Dallas actually. It might have been. Not to say that Dallas is an elite defensive team, but they're like a good team defense you know, limiting fantasy production. 
whatever. But Westbrook ended up going out and putting up a 70 or 80 point outing, you know, on FanDuel. And everybody was like, holy shit, like, what are we doing here? This guy's matchup proof 95% of the time. Like, if you can afford him, use him. So just to close this uh, monologue up, (laughs) uh, if you can afford to use Scherzer, use him. Don't think too hard. Just do it. He's going to give you the points. Just do it. If you can't afford him, you don't like where your lineup's looking, then don't do it. Look somewhere else. Yeah, I think that that's it. I mean, you, you, you have to figure out, do you have a player pool that fits with him? And if the answer is yes, then you have the most dominant pitcher on the slate in your lineup. Now, are there going to be pitchers who offer K upside? Are there going to be guys who can get, you know, I mean, are there is there anybody who can, like Scherzer, go get 12 Ks? There's really only one guy that can do that, and that's Jacob deGrom, and we'll talk about him. Um, and just one last thing to add about Scherzer. I mean, he's got a, a there, there's just a, you know, just real quick. There's a few things that really are going for him too, just in general, like every outing. Like number one, he's in the National League, so he gets the pitcher. Um, number two, uh, he's playing for the Nationals, who are an elite offensive ball club, so he is going to get run support most of the time. Uh, number three, he has a manager in Dusty Baker who is going to not micromanage and do stupid crap and like mess with him, with Max. He's going to let him go. Like He's going to ask Max if he wants to come out. You know, and 99% of the time he's going to defer to Scherzer. And then number four, you and I have talked about this before. Like Scherzer is crazy. Like he's a hyper competitive ball player. You know, he's not a, uh, he's not a, a softy. So like you factor those four things that consistently are there for him every single time, unless he's playing in an AL ballpark. And that on top of his skills, you know, things that, that Strasburg doesn't have. Like, Strasburg is not that kind of competitor. Clayton Kershaw, from my in my opinion, is not that kind of competitor like, like Scherzer, not that tough guy. Like, he's just a lock. I love him. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I just – the numbers are elite. He's approached a 20% swinging strike. He's gone over a 20% swinging strike rate in a number of his most recent games, 35% K rate. Uh, is just unbelievable. Um, you add to that the fact that he's only allowing 26% hard contact. Like the the Braves are a team that has the lefties that could get to him. Freddie Freeman does have BVP here. That is actually halfway decent. Um, but the way he's been pitching recently, you know, you point out he's pitched against much more dangerous ball clubs. Um, you know, and even, you know, even against a hot St. Louis team in his most recent start, he torched them. Um, and you know, that's not, I I feel like that's a team that is actually a decent comp, an average team with some bats that could do some damage. Um, you know, the one, I think the one caveat that you have is, is how much is Atlanta going to swing? You know, are they just going to take the contact? You know, they're probably not that dangerous from like a run standpoint, but are they going to swing enough? Uh, to the point that uh, Scherzer is going to be able to create that much, you know, wind power. So I, I, I love him. 
I think you got to figure out, do you have the player pool that supports him? And if you don't, I think I'm going to pivot, you know, I'm going to pivot to DeGrom. And I actually think building with DeGrom really isn't that hard. In fact, I've done it in a couple of different iterations here. DeGrom's getting St. Louis. Um, we just saw them against an elite power righty, and they really struggled with, with Scherzer. Um, you know, Scherzer went out and absolutely destroyed St. Louis in, um, you know, in St. Louis, 12Ks, seven innings pitched zero earned runs. I love DeGrom in this spot. I think he profiles very similarly to to Scherzer, you know, power righty who is um you know been been really hot recently. Uh they've been above average sure as an opponent here. Uh this new lineup that they have is really swinging a lot harder. They're making better contact. Uh but they're striking out at almost a 24% rate in the last 30 days and they're about average in WRC plus, a little bit above average in hard contact rate. Um 29% K rate for DeGrom, a 14% swinging strike rate. That's the second highest number on the slate. 7 innings pitched in at least all of his last 4 starts in at least 6 Ks in each of his last 4 starts. In one of those starts it was a complete game. One of those starts he had 12 Ks. So this guy, you know, if he can stay healthy, man, you're looking at the next Max Scherzer. This is him, you know, three years into his career. And Scherzer, you know, is now, you know, what? Uh, he's 32. He's been in the league for for um, for uh, going on 10 years now. Um, if DeGrom can do what Scherzer's done from a health standpoint, then this is this is, these, these guys are, are going to go down as two of the best – power righties uh, of, the, of their generation. So I, I love DeGrom in this spot, and I think that the savings there, $1,700, really allows you, or $1,400, really does allow you a little bit more flexibility in your build. Um, so I have no problem with Jake DeGrom in this spot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, that $1,700, I mean, that allows you to avoid a punt play. It allows right. you to upgrade two middling players to two you know, solid, like low 3k players, um, that, that $1,700 is huge. Um, and you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that DeGrom and Scherzer put up a similar number, um, because DeGrom has, uh, the strikeout upside, you know, I, I mean, I'm just kind of glancing here at the slate. I mean, there are guys that have the ability to K as many guys as they do, you know, um, I guess on, on a per nine basis, um, you know, in individual outings. Like what I'm saying is there are guys that can go out there and K 10, 12 guys in individual outings, but these are guys that can go and K 10, 12 guys every outing. I mean, they just have that ability. And so when you, have that salary savings with DeGrom, you just go out and get it, you know? Um, that said, I'm not going to lie, like, I like Scherzer more, um, but I definitely will have a lineup um, if I'm going to be entering, like, 10 or so. You know, I'll definitely have a couple lineups with DeGrom. I have no reservations about using him. Uh, that's for sure. So that's a good call. Um, I'm going to go, um, on my side of things here, Sean, with, uh, with James Paxton. Um, if you want to drop down even more, uh, you can drop down to 9,200 and use Paxton going against Oakland. And, uh, 
what we all know about this situation is that this is a a big question mark about the Paxton that we're going to get. What Paxton are we going to get? And and honestly, what Oakland uh, A's ball club are we going to get? Because the A's are that kind of club. They're like the Rays of the West Coast. You know, they can come out there and strike out as a team 10, 15 times, or they can come out as a team and hit three, four home runs um, and barrel up a bunch of balls. So we don't know what A's team we're going to get. Uh, we do know that the A's struggle more um, against left-handed pitching uh, than they do right. Uh, so there's a, an advantage in Paxton's corner. Uh, but as far as Paxton goes, you know, uh, when he came off the DL, there was some concern about him, um, you know, readjusting. Um, he had a few, you know, rough outings against Toronto, uh, Texas, but he righted the ship and uh, his last three outings, uh, you know, he's put up some pretty solid uh, strikeout numbers. You know, he did run into a tough situation against the Angels and only was able to strike out three guys. You know, and the Angels are a team that doesn't strike out a lot. But he did manage to uh, end a five-game streak of giving up a home run. Uh, he didn't give up any home runs in that outing against the Angels, so that was a positive. Um, just one earned run, just two walks in that outing. Uh, so with Paxton, I think that he's trending back to his early season form and that's good for us because we want to get him at this low salary um you know i think that he's more of a high nines kind of guy so i think that this you know outing is a really nice one for him to come out and give us a bunch of k's and and start trending up in in salary um, and so you kind of want to catch the bottom here. And I think we can catch the bottom on this particular outing. Uh, just looking at him as a pitcher over the last 30 days, um, you know, he is among the top guys in the slight for K's, K's per nine, uh, striking out 8.9, 8.9 batters per nine innings. He has struggled a bit with uh, giving up walks. A little concern with the home runs. Like I mentioned before, he gave up exactly one home run in five straight outings. And as I said, ended that against the Angels. Um, But if you look at his BABIP, uh, his 341 BABIP screams out at us, as well as his uh, 65.9% left on base percentage. Both of those scream out at us that there's definitely some positive regression for him. That 341 BABIP is awfully high for a pitcher of his caliber. Yeah, yeah. And that left on base percentage uh, just seems like he's running into some bad luck. Um, you know, the 603 ERA is definitely a lot higher than his XFIP of uh, 4.3. So what I'm getting at here is we've got a highly skilled pitcher, has all the ability in the world, is facing a team that can strike out a lot, uh, not as good against left-handed pitchers, and he's been running into some bad luck lately. So I think that if you're trying to get contrarian in your tournaments, um, you know, James Paxson is definitely a solid option. You know, his salary is not low by any means at 9200 but it definitely saves you a lot of money. 
And you know what? You 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 honestly do get 50 or 60 point upside with him. The question is, can Seattle give him the run support uh, going against Sean Manaya? And I do have concerns about that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I have concern about that. They, you know, Vegas likes this to be one of the lower scoring games. You know, Paxton to me, I just, I gotta, uh, for, I don't know. I gotta see it. I gotta see it because you know, I mean, he goes out and he has two really nice starts against Philly, the Phillies, and the Angels. What do we know about the Phillies and the Angels? They don't fucking hit anybody uh he struggles with you know teams that hit the ball hard now i totally love the idea that he has positive regression coming his way and let's be clear if he can get through oakland i know oakland is not exactly a powerhouse but they hit the ball a lot better than those other two teams i I think if he can get through oakland then i'm back to all in but i do like your idea of being bullish early then rather than being late to the party i may end up being the guy who's late to the party um, you know, but I don't know. I, I think one guy that I, I worry that he's trending in the opposite direction as far as regression, but I still like his stuff and his numbers indicate that we should really take a look at him here. Zach Granke, he's getting the Reds at home. The Reds have been pesky. I mean, they're, they're not particularly excellent. Um, they've been average in pretty much all categories across the board the one thing that they're really good at is, you know, hitting hitting home runs. Um, we know that. They can send the ball out of the park. They've got a number of guys who can do that on a nightly basis. They seem to hit one just about every every game. Somebody somebody will send it. It's pretty hard to predict. But, you know, I think against Granky here, you know, we can certainly look at we can certainly look at the Reds, even though they're in Chase Field. You know, Granky is Got a 28% K rate, 13% swinging strike rate. Those are really, really high numbers for this slate. Yes, he's been inconsistent. Absolutely. He hasn't gotten double-digit Ks in a long time. Um, but I think there is leverage in going to Zach Granke. And the one thing that I will say, Fern, is you know he does a nice job mixing up his pitches. He's going to throw a slider. He's going to throw his curve. Those breaking pitches for him, I think, will really help him against this Reds team who likes to hit the fastball. I mean, that's, let's be clear. They really prefer – they like hitting the fastball. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think that he could have a nice outing here, manage to do really good work at pretty low ownership. Um, do I think you have to have him? No, but I, I'm going to look at him. I just – He's at a very good price, and he is one of the guys on this slate who can go get you 10Ks. Um, he is certainly one of those guys. He's done it in a couple different outings this year. Um, you know, But he's also, for example, gotten shelled by the Padres. So I, I don't know. What do you make of Granke? Do you think he's regressing? Are we seeing a kind of middling, mediocre pitcher who has high strikeout numbers but really gives up too much contact? I mean, I don't. I don't know. It's uh, he, I. I think that he is still a very dangerous pitcher uh, for teams to face. Even at uh, what is he now? He's thirty four. You know, he's. Uh, he, I mean, I, I don't think that there. Is, I mean, there's definitely some diminishing. Um, uh, definitely, definitely some diminishing skills, explosiveness of his pitches. You know, he's not the same Granky from a few years ago. 
you know, when he broke out big time, you know, after a nice career in KC when he moved to LA and was just killing it. Um, but I think the last couple of years, he's definitely uh, had to, as you alluded to, uh, rely more on a, a vast repertoire of pitches as opposed to being able to blow guys away with nasty stuff. Um, and he's doing, I think, just that this year. Is he's, I mean, he's mixing up his pitches well. I don't have the uh, sheet in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he throws like five or six pitches with some significance of regularity. Am I am I wrong or right there, Sean? Um, he he will throw. No, I mean, thirty percent of the time is really the 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 max that he's going to throw. Well, that's not true. I'm sorry. He's going to throw his fastball about 50% of the time, depending on, uh, depending on the slate, but then he's going to mix the curve in there and the slider in there, almost a 20% clip. So he switches those off, I think as his, his K pitches, but you know, we've seen his, you know, his fastball. You're right. It is the, uh, it is a, it is the primary. Okay. Well, yeah, I, so at any rate, um, I, I I still like him. I still think yeah. he's got some something left in the tank for a couple more years. Um, and if he continues to try to like mix things up, you know that's going to keep him uh, more than relevant. Now I do have some concerns with the opponent. Um, you know Cincinnati uh, coming to Arizona is a is a concern for me going against Granky. Um, because yeah, like great American ballpark is easily one of the best ballparks for hitters in baseball, uh, without a doubt. Um, but if you look at, um, park factor for left-handed bats, sorry, I'm pulling that up real quick. Um, if you sort, so I'm on baseball prospectus, uh, uh, park factors by handedness. And if you sort by home run factor, the second best ballpark in baseball uh, for left-handed bats for home runs is Arizona. So I do have some concerns with guys like Votto and Shebler yeah. and Jeanette. Um, you know, so I don't know if I would throw Granky out there with confidence in um, like smaller field tournaments, but right. in a large field tournament, like, you know, your squeeze that you like to play sometimes, you know, that we like to play sometimes. I like to play that too, as well, you know, where you're going against 30,000 people and everybody's going to be on Scherzer. Everybody's going to be on DeGrom, you know, a couple other guys that we will talk about. Um, I think Granke could see very low ownership and he yeah. has upside, you know, for 45, 50 points for sure, uh, to go deep into the game and get, get some nice strikeout seven to nine guys. Uh, so it's worth the risk in, uh, large field tournaments. I think I like that call. All right. Good stuff, Fern. Um, you know, will I do it? I don't know. I don't know if I will. I gotta be honest with you. It makes me a little bit nervous, but I think that you could, uh, you you could talk you could you could talk me you we could talk me into it. Um, all right, so if you're pivoting Fern off of uh, Pax, where who else are you interested in here? Yeah, I mean I I like Kenta Maeda uh, going against KC. 
um, Maeda, you know, um, I, you know, I, I just love, I feel, I, I love him. I just, I feel really safe with him. I know that he had a really bad outing against the Padres last wow. time out. Um, wow. You know, that was, that was kind of weird. Um, only lasted three and two thirds and gave up five runs on eight hits. Um, but that kind of thing happens to guys sometimes, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. But before that, you know, he had a, a nice string dating back to, uh, you know, uh, like early May, where he was giving you solid outings at a very palatable salary. Um, so in this particular slate, we've got Maeda at 8200 which that's, like I said, it's palatable. Like, you can definitely work with that. And the matchup is not one that I worry too much about um, with the Royals. Um, if we're looking at Team ISO, uh, Kansas City is up there as of late uh, at 214, um, Team ISO. But the thing that I like in this situation is that Maeda is getting them in LA in the National League ballpark. So Kansas City is going to lose the DH. Um, he does pitch better at home. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, I'm not too worried about that situation there. Um, you know, so, uh, but looking at Maeda himself, um, we know we're talking about a pitcher, you know, who limits walks, uh, limits home runs. Um, you know, he, he makes his own luck. Um, right. that's what I like about him is he's not this amazing pitcher that's going to light up the stat sheet. Like some of the guys we talked about before, but he's, you know, of the breed of guys that he is not going to beat himself. Like if he gets beat, it's variance. Um, you know, it's the baseball universe, the, the, the laws of the baseball universe, you know, saying up, 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 you're a human being. You got to have one of these once in a while. You know, that was his last outing at San Diego, but we're just, we're talking about a guy that has, you know, like eight, nine K's per nine, you know, not even a walk per nine, not even a homer per nine, you know, the BABIP and left on base percentages are telling us that he is, like I said, making his own luck. Um, you know, he just, he, he's a solid pitcher. And, uh, I, I think that right now he's pitching to his ability and, you know, I don't even remotely have any concerns about something like last week happening again. And I feel like I can lock in, you know, for uh, cash games with him, uh, like a 35, 40 point outing. And just like I said with Scherzer, um, it's kind of funny to say Scherzer and Maeda in the same sentence. But in this regard, both teams have elite offenses. So he's got the Dodgers bats backing him. And the Dodgers get to go against Jason Hamill. And last I checked, Jason Hamill is not that dangerous of a pitcher. You know, he's a solid pitcher, but the Dodgers can definitely get into him without a doubt. So yeah. I feel like Maeda is pretty much 
you know, uh, as safe as you can get on this slate for getting that 10 points for the win and the quality start as well. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't know. He, he kind of tilts me into oblivion, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think Jordan Montgomery is another guy that like, I think I would put him in the same bucket as, as Maeda, right? K upside. He is a, a high quality pitcher. Great, great strikeout stuff. His K rate has gone down recently, but he maintains this 13% swinging strike rate, which I think is a really good indicator of the quality of pitcher that he is. He's had some tough matchups lately. Um, teams that either don't strike out or hit the ball really hard. You know, but he pitched a gem against the, the White Sox, which um, was a team that was supposed to hit him hard, uh, you know, facing a lefty here, and they didn't. He, he, he totally fanned him. So he clearly has his stuff. Milwaukee... They're a team that hits the ball really, really hard. Don't get me wrong, but they do strike out quite a bit. Um, you know, their ISO is 196 against left-handed pitching. It's one of the highest in the league, no doubt. But they do strike out at a 24% rate. Um, so, you know, in that respect, I think that you know we can we can look at Montgomery and kind of temper our expectations. He's either going to be boom or bust. Like he's going to go out and get you six innings and seven K's and, and really, really deal against the Brewers, or he's probably going to end up giving up a home run or two and leaving in the fifth. Um, you know, but that's kind of what you expect out of a tournament pitcher. Um, and do I worry about Yankee stadium? Absolutely. You worry about any pitcher inside of Yankee stadium because they have a propensity to, you know, give up home runs more easily. But this is still a guy who, um, you know, regardless of the, the the struggles that he's had of late, has been an excellent pitcher. His ex-fip and his Sierra indicate that he's a very solid pitcher. I think Jordan Montgomery is an interesting tournament arm. Um, you know, I don't know, Fern. Part of me looks at some of these lower-priced arms and just says, I'm just going to pay for DeGrom everywhere or pay for Scherzer everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just on just on Montgomery, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like, he's a really he's a really good pitcher. I mean, and he's pitching beyond his years. Um, I mean, what is he? He's only I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he's only he's only twenty four years old. I mean six six, two twenty five, left handed, twenty four years old. I mean, he is a hell of a prospect, hell of a major league pitcher right now. Um, but he's running into a really hot, dangerous offense in Milwaukee. And so, yeah, you know, you said he makes for a really good tournament pitcher. Um, you know, I, I like him as, um, you know, I'd say for every hundred entries in a tournament, I would use him, you know, eight to 10% of the time, you know. So if I'm rolling out 10 lineups, I would use him in one or two lineups. I mean, he's got good upside and, and the price, my goodness, like the price 7,900. I mean, you look at guys in that range, you know, Maeda, uh, Aaron Sanchez, Charlie Morton, Jordan Hamill, Jacob Arizzi, Kevin Gossman, et cetera. Like, I think that he is a better pitcher than all those guys. Definitely. I, I mean, so, 
you know, but like I said, that matchup, man, it's, I mean, Milwaukee does strike out a lot, but they can hit dingers like, you know, there's no tomorrow. So, yeah. But yeah, you know, that's the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, Fern. Uh, Let's uh, let's jump into the bats here. We have some interesting uh, sticks to talk about. Um, Well, do we want to say before we go in the bats, just kind of like just off the cuff, like because there are a few guys we didn't even mention. I know. Um, You know, like you got Carrasco. And Martinez going to Carrasco and Carlos Martinez going against Detroit in the Mets, respectively. Like, what do you think about those guys? Because those are some scary matchups. Uh, it's a, it's a tough matchup. I think I think if I had to take one, I think it's Carmo, just because his home splits are really good. Carrasco struggles at home. It's just a weird thing, and. He just saw Detroit. So I think the combination of familiarity plus he's at home, his home splits are terrible. I don't know why, but he gets blown up, you know, pretty much every time he starts at home. I, that to me just is like, I don't know. There's no reason to go there with Carrasco. But Carmo at home has been excellent. I think if we get the Mets watered down, like Cespedes is out with a hammy, Michael Conforto still on the DL you know, lineup that kind of isn't that threatening, then I like it. The problem is is that the Mets continue to, like, not strike out that much to right-handed pitching. Um, You know, they are are only of a 19% strikeout rate to right-handed pitching with a 104 WRC+. Um, You know, they're kind of like this slightly above-average team. Now... Do I do I I love Carmo? Like I think he's a great game manager and I think this could be a game that he certainly manages really well. Um but you know one stat that I looked up and I've mentioned this to you guys on baseballreference.com by the way. You can figure out how a team's batting splits fare against ground ball pitchers or against you know fly ball pitchers. The Mets are actually pretty good against ground ball pitchers. Um, and Carmo is a guy who induces about a 50% ground ball rate. It's one of the things that he does. Now, he's really good at striking people out as well. Um, I think I may go with him possibly over Granky, but he kind of falls in the same bucket to me. Like, maybe I just don't have to touch him and I just go up to DeGrom. Yeah. And then one more question. Um, you've got the Twins over the last couple weeks with a 78 WRC plus as a team. Um, poor 127 ISO, poor, poor uh, 293 team WOBA, 23.7% team K rate, and just a 675 team OPS. Um, and on the other side of the mound, or on the mound facing them, you've got... <laughs> You've got uh, 2017 uh, whipping boy uh, gas can Kevin Gossman, um, who just uh, put up 58 points against the Rays and has been trending upward uh, since mid-June. What do you think about that with Gossman at 7,500 against a struggling Twins team? You know, I I think it's really I think it's really interesting. I think it's really 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 sneaky. Um, I think it's really sneaky. Uh, people continue to look at Gossman as a problem pitcher. He clearly has found something, um, you know, and his splits just don't represent that he has found it. 
Um, but I mean, have you watched any of these starts, Fern? Have you seen this kid work? What's the story? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the thing with Gossman is he just has to find a rhythm and work consistently. You know, like to, to he, the thing with him is he is still getting the mental side of things with his game, which is kind of disappointing to me because he is I just want to give you the right number. Yeah, he is 26 um 26 years old. Like he's not old, but he's not young either and he's still trying to deal with adversity. Um, you know, two runners in scoring position, you know, giving up a leadoff walk, getting in a hitter's count, um, you know, to lead off an inning a couple times you know, early on in the game. Um, and he is not a bulldog kind of pitcher. But when he, um, you know, and I don't know what goes on in his head, but when he, when things are going his way, um, that starts to snowball for him. And that really snowballed last year. And I think it also had a lot to do with the fact that he knew that those Orioles bats were going to score runs every time out. I mean, the Orioles were a very stackable, dangerous DFS offense last season, and this season, they're anything but that. Um, so, but the thing with him is, you know, with this start coming up tomorrow slash tonight, you know, when you guys are listening to this, um, you know, he's coming off a uh, top five, four, three game of his career thus far last week out. You know, a couple yeah. nice outings, hasn't given up a run in almost 13, his last 13 innings pitched, hasn't given up a home run in his last two outings. And the O's, Bats, are taking on a gentleman by the name of Felix Jorge. Yeah, he just got called up from double A. Who, who's, uh, I don't know, who's Felix Jorge? So Felix Jorge, it's interesting. So the double A, the double A affiliate for, um, the double A affiliate for the Twins is actually the 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 minor league team in my home in this in my town in Chattanooga. Oh yeah. And this Felix Jorge kid has been on the prospect radar for for the Twins for a while and they called him up and he just kind of takes he's just taking 5 innings basically at a time. Gotcha. Um you know, he's been pretty he's kind of a game manager. He's not and he's not overwhelming. Yeah, I'm uh, looking his, at his stats right now. 61 Ks and 85 innings at double uh, A Chattanooga. Yeah, he um, he pitched really well against Kansas City recently. Um, like, I mean, really well for a Double A kid who you know just started. Uh, you know, he I don't know he's there's nothing dominant about him. I think Gaussman is interesting. I think he's really interesting. I, this slate though, like this is this is a really hard slate to pit, put your finger down on a guy and say like this is the best low cost option yeah. that there is. You know? Yeah, I just don't I, like. I, I'm just kind of you know, and right now, like I'm kind of speaking very like uh uh uh, uh because I'm looking at my screen right now and I'm just trying to find something to grasp uh-huh. at. That stands out to me above Scherzer, DeGrom, and it's really hard. Like, it's just I don't see, like, anything that at the – you know, when you look at your lineup before you go to bed, you know, and you say, damn it, why didn't I use, you know, Gossman? Or why didn't I use 
you know, Dan Straley against San Francisco. I just don't see that happening. Like, I, I honestly, I see GPP winning lineups having Scherzer or DeGrom. Uh, I love that. I Because I thought about Dan Straley. I love Dan Straley. I like him, too, God, against San Francisco. Why did I use Dan Straley? <laughs> I, I Dan Straley is 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 one of my faves. He does he he doesn't give up home runs. He's, I mean, he's given up he gave up two against the Brewers, but God forbid you give up homers against the Brewers. But what he's given up uh, four eight homers in his last two four six eight ten outings. So yeah, yeah. so less than a home run per outing, I guess, for my rough estimate. And just one bad outing in his last, one truly bad outing in his last ten against Pittsburgh, and it was only four earned runs. Uh, he just couldn't strike anyone out. All right, Fern. Maybe we'll get a little bit of clarity because maybe this is one of those slates when you got to figure out your bats first. So, um, you know, we have we have cores here on this slate. So let's jump in and let's talk sticks. Yeah. Uh, I I am in love with the White Sox tomorrow night. Okay, I'm gonna have a White Sox full on White Sox four man stack. Um, they get Herman Marquez, whose recent batted ball data is really pretty bad. Twenty percent strikeout rate, fine. Thirty four percent hard contact rate, a ton of fly balls. Um, thirty eight percent hard, uh, or excuse me, um, thirty eight percent. Oh, yeah. No, I already said that. Sorry. 38% hard contact rate and fly balls to match in course field. I think the White Sox are sneaky good in this spot. I think that people continue to go to the narrative. They aren't aren't good against right-handed pitching. They are above league average. They are above average in hard contact, and they are league average in WRC plus the 101 WRC plus in the last 30 days. They only have a 20% strikeout rate. They're not a high strikeout team. They are solid against right-handed pitching. They are just as good as they are against left-handed pitching. And in fact, their offense has regressed a little bit against lefties and they're getting, you know, they're kind of meeting in the middle and this offense is evening out uh, in their splits. So Melky, uh, Todd Frazier is interesting, but you can go down to uh, Matt Davidson who I like even more. Avisil Garcia, of course, and Abreu, if you can afford him. He's 4500 He's a great play in there um, as well. Um, so I, I think the White Sox are definitely in play if you're going to Coors. I can't play the Rockies anymore. Can you play the Rockies? Dude, no. The Rockies are, like, the worst offense by far as of late. I mean, you can't touch them with a 10-foot pole these days. Unless there's like crazy value or something like Rymel Tapia when he was like in the 2000s or like if right you know, it's just something that screams out to you like you got to use him. But dude, 42 WRC plus over the last two weeks. Ugh. Yeah, no, they uh, they're they're. They're not they're not good. They're, um, they, they haven't been good all season. No, I know they don't hit the ball hard enough. They're wasting that amazing ballpark situation so it's very tilting um all right let, let's let, let's talk about some other stacks here um because you you love you love uh a team that wears pinstripes and plays in the um and plays in the big apple so talk talk to me about this <laughs> yeah 
yeah, I, uh, I like the Yankees. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. I mean, <clears throat> the Yankees have been the team to use all season long. Um, but it was bound to happen. You know, the Yankees, like any team, are going to run into a little bit of a cold patch. Um, and that's just what's happened lately. Now, they, they're not as bad as the Rockies, okay? Nobody's as bad as the Rockies lately. Not even the Phillies, you know, no. not not even the Pirates or the Orioles or, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, as far as WRC Plus goes, nobody's as bad as the Rockies. But the Yankees, you know, only 21st in WRC Plus over the last couple weeks with uh, 86 uh, an 86 number for that metric. Um, not too good. Not too good. You know, looking at their their team OPS, it's just a 691. Um, so it's a little concerning. But there's more to meets the eye, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, looking at the pitcher on the mound for their opponent, uh, fortunately for them um, in their three-game series with the Brewers, they're going to start it off against Junior Guerra. Um, and he's arguably been the worst pitcher on this slate over the course of the season. Um, definitely over the last 30 days. Uh, given up a horrific uh, 3.12 home runs per nine. 6.56 walks per nine over the last month. Uh, he's got an XFIP of 6.74. And that matches up really well with his 7.24 ERA. Um, you know, when we see a high ERA and a high XFIP and a high FIP. Uh, we know that, well, when we see a FIP slash XFIP, whatever you prefer to look at, match up with the ERA, whether it's low or high or in between, we know that the pitcher is pitching to his ability. He's not getting lucky. His defense isn't making amazing plays and saving him. You know, Junior Guerra is pitching very poorly. And, and he's not getting any uh, bad luck. He, he has a 288 BABIP. I mean, a 288 BABIP, that's the same BABIP as uh, as uh, Zach Granke over the last month. Yeah. And Granke's giving up four less runs per game than Guerra. So, I mean, you know, this is a guy that's just, he sucks right now. You know, he, he, yeah. he sucks. And looking at the Yankees, yeah, you know, like they are in a rough patch, but this is the kind of matchup that teams need to get off the schneid and get back to their normal selves. So when I look at them, to me, like it all starts obviously with Aaron Judge. Um, You definitely want to get D.D. Gregorius in there. Um, You know, Judge is a machine. D.D. is uh, strongly trending in a positive direction, and we like that. He is uh, batting in the middle of the lineup uh, at the shortstop position at a very solid price. Um, let me double check that price for you guys. Thirty one hundred. Thirty one hundred. Beautiful price. Absolutely beautiful price. Um, beautiful price, as Donald Trump would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> same price. Uh, so you're paying a hundred dollars more for Didi. Over Alexi Amarista, two hundred more over Eduardo Escobar. Um, you know, yeah. I love it. So you know, if you're building a Yankee stack, you start with those guys. Then there's like the other usual cast of characters. You got guys, you know, like Brett Gardner, 
um, you know, Gary Sanchez, um, Jacoby Ellsbury. But man, like the Yankees have a ton of value these days. Um, rolling out a bunch of cheap options. Uh, you got G-Man Choi, uh, Clint Frazier, uh, that Wade kid, uh, Torres, Headley. Yeah. So I like a stack of Judge and Didi and then just like pick your other two cheap guys uh, to give yeah, you I some exposure. Wade, I think wait, wait till you get a lineup because you're going to get one of these these cheapies you're gonna get a g-man Choi. you're gonna get um like you said tyler wade somebody um but you know i think the other thing is is if you kind of want the middle of the order with some solid bats who are going to benefit from you know being a part of you know just a good offensive production i think you can look you know jacoby ellsbury and brett gardner are always oh always going to be in play and like you said dd's been batting in the three hole so D.D. Jacoby, Brett Gardner, Austin Romine's been playing catcher, and they've been DHing Gary Sanchez so that they have more position player availability. Um, so Romine's a nice catcher. You know, I think every time I'm going to pick a punt catcher, I'm always looking to go after the worst pitcher on the slate, and Junior Guerra certainly qualifies. Um, so you know, it's certainly uh, it's certainly an interesting spot. It's certainly an interesting spot. I I love the Yankees here. Um, I think another offense that you know, high cost offense that that we got to look at is is Cleveland. Um, they're getting Jordan Zimmerman, and Zimmerman Zimmerman is the definition of a gas can. Hard hit rate above thirty five percent, fly ball rate above forty percent, batted ball distance recently two forty four two hundred forty four feet. He gets the Indians. The Indians don't strike out. They have one of the lowest K rates to left-handed pitch, or excuse me, to right-handed pitching in Major League Baseball. We just saw them tonight go after Denelson Lamette. They hit him hard. Guys who get hit hard will get hit hard by E5 and by Jose Ramirez. Okay, Michael Brantley actually had a decent game as well, um, but I think for Zimmerman here. He just pitched against them. Um, pretty much everybody got a hit. He really only lasted four-plus innings. And Ramirez gave, put the dinger uh, on top that, that took him out of the game. It was only a two-run shot. It wasn't that great of a fantasy game, to be honest with you. It was only a four-run game. The uh, excuse me, the Indians were in control pretty much from the start. Um so, you know, not not very exciting from fantasy perspective, but the fact that they just saw him in this spot, now Zimmerman is on the road in progressive field, Cleveland's been at home for a while, uh, they're reasonably priced too, except for Ramirez, Ramirez is really expensive. Um, but the rest of them are pretty reasonably priced, Kipnis is 2-7, I could do Kipnis, um, Brantley and Lindor, I don't know how much I want them. Their power just really isn't showing. I mean, Lindor is definitely better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching. He feels much comfortable, more comfortable on the right-handed right side of the plate. I think we need to remember that. But Brantley just had a nice game. I think he's in a good spot here. Um, but I love the power guys. Um, E5 and Jose Ramirez, they love to smash the four-seamer. That's the problem that's been giving Zimmerman uh, trouble. If you want to get the home runs, you got to get the power guys in there. So, you know, Kipnis definitely in a good spot. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look at E5 and Jose Ramirez against Zimmerman, uh, who you know just he's guaranteed to give up a home run. It just you know you want to take the most likely guy to get the home run. You know, Fern? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I I love that a lot. That's uh, definitely <clears throat> a good call. I mean, Zimmerman is just 
you know, low hanging fruit and you don't want to think too hard about it. And so, you know, Cleveland, and the other thing about Cleveland is, um, they're a really good team at home. Uh, they're, they're a really good home team. I don't know the yeah. numbers ahead in front of me, uh, but anecdotally, I know that Cleveland is a solid home team. So I, I like that. I liked it a lot. Um, uh, I, I'm 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 gonna kind of keep this uh, theme going here for a a once elite offense early in the season slash I mean somewhat recently and just kind of running cold lately, um, just like the Yankees and that's uh, Arizona. <clears throat> Arizona's actually just behind New York in WRC plus over the last two weeks, uh, 22nd in baseball. New York is 21st, uh, with an 86 WRC plus Arizona has an 84 WRC plus over that span. Um, they're trying to get out of a funk. Um, and it was really exacerbated by facing some really tough lefties lately. Um, it's kind of hard to get things going when you start off the series against Kershaw and then get yeah. Alex and then get Alex Wood, and I don't even know what's going on right now in that game. It's ten fifty p.m. right now on Thursday Eastern time, but I don't know if you know how Rich Hill is doing. So, yeah, three straight lefties in Arizona. I mean, they don't want to be facing lefties; they want to be facing righties, and for that, especially tough lefties like the ones that the Dodgers are able to throw out at you. And uh, fortunately for them, they get Tim Adelman at Chase and couldn't come of a, at a better time uh, after this Dodgers series um, and heading into the All-Star break. They want to be right. They want to feel right. Uh, so Tim Adelman, over the last month, out of all the pitchers on this slate, Adelman is second only to Junior Guerra in home runs per nine. He's uh, given up 2.7. Fourth in walks per nine. 4.36. He's got a 4.36 ERA, but it's significantly lower than his 6.67 FIP. And the 2.58 BABIP and the 91% left on base percentage in that span of time, two weeks, those all tell us that he's been getting really lucky lately. And he's due for a serious blowout. And you look at his uh, his game logs as of late, and I should have those up in front of me right now, but I don't, and I'm going to get them in just a second. Just looking at his game logs, um, I mean, three earned runs, five earned runs, three, two, two, one, three, but his home runs, two, three, one, one, two, one, one. So he's getting lucky. I mean, some, you know, and he's walking guys, one, three, four, four, two, two. So he's getting lucky. He he's he's just not running into situations, you know, where he's getting blown out. Now I haven't watched him Adelman starts, um, but I do know that if you're giving up home runs every single time out, multiple home runs, at some point the bubble is going to burst and you're going to give up a, an eight run, seven run outing, and so I feel like this situation is ripe for that. Um, Arizona, they have the ability to throw out a bunch of lefties, uh, not to mention Goldie, Owings, and Pollock, you know, batting right-handed. 
So it seems to me that they're just going to go nuts on Adelman. They're going to hit dingers. We all know they steal bases. They they double steal. Um, they could put a big crooked number up on this guy. And so I like Arizona, just like New York, to get right and uh, right the ship before the All-Star break. I agree with that. I think that's a good call. Um, I, I think I think that we have to – you got to – I mean, you got to look at him. You 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 gotta look at Arizona here. They're back in the desert. This is a this is an ideal situation for them against Adelman. It just yeah. I mean, it's just how chalky will it be? I guess is the question on everybody's mind. Um, but I, I like that call. I like that call quite a bit. Um, I think that if you want um, to pivot, I love this Los Angeles Texas game. Um, and you know it's Cole Hamels versus um, Ricky Nolasco. Okay, Cole Hamels guys is just not the same pitcher. All right, they're both allowing over thirty five percent hard contact. They both have fly balls above thirty thirty around thirty five percent. Hamels is not striking out a soul, um, and righties are hitting him pretty hard. So. You know, he's been fine against left-handed bats, but the Angels is a team that really doesn't strike out at all anyway. He's not going to – he's going to allow base runners because he just can't strike anybody out. Um, I think, you know, the Angels are sneaky, easy value because basically everyone is below 3K and they are – you know, they're pretty – they're a pretty bad offense. Let's be very clear about this. Like, you're not going to get a ton of value from them. But if they allow you access to an elite stack, then I think you can certainly look at at the Angels in this situation. Um, you know, to in order to afford another stack and an, and an elite pitcher, like if the Angels allow you to afford a Scherzer plus an elite stack, then I think that they're worth it. Um, I, you know, the te- the Rangers, however, are. Like one of my favorite teams on the slate tomorrow night. They are getting Ricky Nolasco. Ricky Nolasco gets smashed by right-handed bats. He allows a 374, 375 Woba to right-handers. He has one of the highest home run fly ball rates on the slate. His sinker and his slider and his four-seamer are three of his primary pitches that he goes to. They are bad pitches. They are getting hit really hard. Beltre and Gomez profile extremely well here um, against those balls that are down in the zone against righties. We know these guys are righties that hit righties hard. Um, Rugnet Odor is just smoking hot right now. He just continues to tear the cover off the ball. I love Odor in this spot. Those are my three favorites. Rugnet, um, Odor, you know, Beltre and Gomez are easily my three favorites. You could talk me into Chu and Andrews because they're both pretty underpriced. Chu, 3-1, Andrews at 3-2. I think those are great prices for guys who are going to be in the top half of a really productive lineup. Um, I'm really, I really like Texas in this spot. Fern, is it is it even worth thinking about rostering the Angels? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like it's it's worth thinking about anybody. You know, um, and going against Hamels, I mean, I don't really have Hamels stuff up right at the second. Um, you know, Hamels. Wow, where is it? Can't find it. Whatever. 
Hamels is not the Cole Hamels of old. I mean, he's not a guy that, you know, has you shaking in your boots. So, you know, you could do like a little mini stack. I mean, you know, you can go with, uh, you know, Unell or Cameron Maven, you know. Um, But I, I lean heavily on the Texas side of things. And I see far more upside in other spots than with L.A., uh, two other guys I want to add to your Texas stack, um, your Texas situation, are uh, are uh, Mike Napoli and Robinson Chirinos. Both of them are, are sub-3K players. Um, and as we all know, uh, both those guys have you know home run upside any night. I love the fact, too, that the game time temperature is supposed to be around 90 degrees. Um, you know, in Arlington, ballpark in Arlington, whatever they call it now, Globe Life Field, right? That's correct. The Globe of the Life. The, it's a Globe of Life. The Globe of Life. The 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 Globe around which life revolves. And uh I think there will be several several homers hit off of Professor Nick Nikki. I almost said Nikki. Well, I did say Nikki. Ricky Nolasco. Well done, Sean. I, I like it. I'm going to yeah. go uh, with a team here that I want to talk about that I have trashed many a time. Um, I'm an avowed Red Sox hater. And it's not because of my O's fandom, not necessarily because of my O's fandom, uh, but it's because they're just not a home run hitting team. I, I just have a hard time using them in DFS. You know, Fern digs the long ball, um, just like the chicks. Just like the chicks, the Fernster digs the long ball. I, I have I'm biased towards home run power hitting teams in DFS, and sometimes that burns me, and it's burned me lately with the Red Sox. The Red Sox have put up some big big numbers. I missed out on Andrew Benatendi the other night when he put up that 69 point uh, explosive outing. And I really got to stop with this nonsense and just stop ignoring them uh, because it is a a negative habit to get in uh, with ignoring teams. And that's what I've done. So I admit that I've made that mistake. I'm not going to make it again. Um, You know, this is a team that, like I said, they don't put up a ton of power, but they have a top 10 WRC plus, top 10 WOBA, Top 10 OPS over the last two weeks. They're not going to go crazy with the dingers, but they are going to hit a bunch of of uh, hits, a bunch of doubles, drive in runs, score runs, make life hard for the opposing pitcher. So this is a great cash team. Cross your fingers when you stack them in GPPs, but definitely a nice cash team. Now, here's the thing. They get Jake Odorizzi, um, and Jake Odorizzi's big blemish on his uh on his uh on his repertoire on his uh resume is his home runs allowed the guy gives up home runs way too often uh 2.2 home runs per nine um over his last five starts era xfip both over five so this is a guy that you know he has had some nice spots He's put up some nice performances, but I think that Boston is just too pesky of a team 
for him. They're not going to strike out. They're not going to. They're not going to give him a nice outing. And a team no. like, say, Baltimore, they will give Odorizzi a nice outing because they're going to strike out. They're going to give him bad at bats. Boston won't do that. And there's a bunch of strong lefties on that team, like Moreland and Bradley and Benintendi. You know, obviously Betts, Hanley, and Bogarts batting from the right side. Like, I'm not dying to stack them. But here's the thing. It's like when you know that the Red Sox are going to give you a nice outing every single night pretty much, and they're facing a guy that gives up a lot of homers, you have to imagine that there is a high probability that not only will they put up some runs, but they're going to do them with the long ball, you know, at least with guys like Moreland, you know, Hanley, you know, and you hope for your, um, your, your more doubles inclined guys, your speed, you know, high contact average guys, you know, like the others that I mentioned before to get into one and give you that nice, you know, 20, 30 point number from them and vault you to the top of GPPs. So I like the Red Sox. I like the Red Sox. I'm done hating on them. I'm going to stop being a stupid head and and be smarter about my uh about my my usage of these teams. Yeah, and I think there's going to be some value in this lineup too. We just had Bogarts go down with a hand injury. Ah, um, right. Yeah. So so is yeah. uh are they going to move uh what's it? Suwin whatever his name is. Yeah, I think they probably will. They'll probably put him in there somewhere in the bottom of the lineup. So what's his look for an interesting lineup. Lin. I think Sue it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You're definitely going to probably get you'll probably get Moreland and Hanley, which always splits ownership between them. So you may have to test decide. You know, I don't. I couldn't tell you Hanley. I think the the better hitter this season has certainly been Mitch Moreland. Um, that's that's no no doubt, but. Uh, Odorizzi's reverse splits would kind of, uh, you know, have you attracted to, um, have you attracted to to um, Hanley in this spot. So, I don't know. You know, I I I think it's either way you look at it. It's certainly a, certainly a good spot to go to go to the the Red Sox here, and they're not that expensive. No, I mean, they're pretty affordable. Um, so a Red Sox stack definitely in play. Just make sure you play Mookie. Because Mookie hits the hits the fastball, he's gonna hit the ball hard tomorrow night, and you know he's pretty much the only guy who can hit the ball hard on that team besides Mitch Moreland and Andrew Benintendi. Who who knows when those guys are gonna hit the ball hard? I can. It's, they're so hard to pin down. So what was the uh, what was the uh, exit velocity barrel situation looking like in that big outing the other night? Do you know for Benintendi? To- Ben attendees. I think they he barreled up both of those balls. Um, you know, it's very funny. Like the the like guys like Xander Bogarts like have no barrels. They have barely any exit velocity. Um, so if they hit, um, you know, if they hit anything, it's because um, it just it carries. So I'm not that. I don't know. You, you're right, though. We have to pay attention to the Red Sox, Fern. We do. We have to. Devin Marrero's swinging a hot bat lately, too. Old Dev Marrero. Yeah. He's a good punt. He's helped me out every once in a while. Christian Vasquez as well. Yeah, actually, Marrero may be in the lineup. Um, 
They moved him to third base. He's third base eligible in FanDuel. Well, they don't have any. Is he really? Yeah. That's really nice, actually. Yeah, it's weird. Um, that's actually really. Lynn nice. is the only. Uh, Suway Lynn is the only shortstop on that roster. Oh no, but well, Bogarts obviously, but. Right, but who knows if he's going to play? Right, right, right. All right, I think the last spot that we got to talk about, Fern, is the oh-so-expensive Miami Marlins. <laughs> One of the priciest teams in baseball, and I guess it's just because of the home runs. Like, they're so expensive. I was like, oh, yeah, Marlins stack, baby. Matt Moore sucks. And I was like, holy shit, who can afford the Marlins? Um, they're so expensive. Um, I'm trying to look them Justin- up. Okay, here we go. Justin Bohr, 3,400. John Carlos Stanton, 42. Marcelo Zuna, 3,9. Christian Yelich, 3,2. Those are the four guys that I'm interested in against Matt Moore. Matt Moore is terrible. 40% hard contact rate, 42% fly ball rate. Miami team is going to take him to task. They finally woke up in their most recent game. You know, their series in St. Louis, they, they snapped out of it. I kept playing them at home, that homestand, and they were terrible. And then in St. Louis, they explode. They go off for three home runs in the first night, and then today they put up some runs as well. So I like them a lot here against Matt Moore. Matt Moore, a guy who struggles with righties, but he also really, really struggles with lefties. Um, Justin Bohr, we know a guy who hits lefties just as well as he hits righties. So um, I like I, I like this spot a lot for for uh, the Marlins um, on the road. And we always know, Fern, that a road team in a West Coast game is going to go under-owned. Oh, yeah. Always. Definitely. Yeah, the West Coast games, I mean, I just it, – it, I mean, I don't know what it is if people, like – um, set their lineups, you know, well before lineup lock, or or and then yeah. just bank on the late swap or what. But I mean, ninety five percent of the time, you know, lineups are released for the entire slate, ten o'clock games included, at like six fifteen, six thirty. You know, it's rare that you have to wait until like right before lineup lock. So. I don't know, like, yeah, if you want leverage, those uh, late West Coast games are huge, and this is a nice one with the Marlins going against Moore. Yeah, so, um, all right, Fern, let's do our thing. Let's head over to uh, old Fan Duel here and see if we can throw together a lineup, my friend. Let's do it. Um, I, I have to be honest with you, I was fooling around with this earlier today. Um... And I already have some some interesting. I already have some interesting ideas. Oh yeah. Well, uh, why don't you talk about them? And while you're talking, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll fiddle with this. All right, fiddle away. Um, so I I threw together um, you know kind of like what I would see is like almost like you know just an ideal lineup. Um, and what I've got is is I've got Scherzer at the top here, and I went straight after the Yankees, and I went after the Yankees that, um, you know, I knew were going to be reasonably priced. Um, Chase Headley, Didi Gregorius, Jacoby Ellsbury. Hopefully, those you know those three guys. Um, they're all thirty one hundred, or well, Headley is uh, twenty nine. Um, but they're basically have been, you know, four, five, and six 
in that order. Uh, I added to that uh, G-Man Choi, who hopefully G-Man Choi is in there. He would be an amazing punt play. Even in the seven hole, I would love him. Um, he's 2,200. So I had a four-man Yankee stack that goes from four all the way to seven, four, five, six, seven. Then um, I still had like a decent amount of money left, like $3,000 left per player. Um, so I went to the Texas outfield. Uh, I went to the Texas outfield and um, I found some Texas backs, bats that I liked. Um, and that was Carlos Gomez and Sin Su Chu. And I had a second baseman to pick out. Um, I don't have a, you know, unfortunately I don't have a, like uh, enough money to get to Rugnodo door, but he's got a hand thing going on. So we'll see if he's in it in the lineup. Um, excuse me. Yawning. <laughs> nice. Um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's late Fern, you know, it's late. I know. Uh, what's up? So I could go to Kipnis. I like Kipnis at 2,700, but I also like Daniel Descalso. I just don't know where Descalso is going to be in this Diamondbacks lineup, to be honest with you. He's been in and out platooning. Um, and, you know, you got to think that as a lefty, he's going to be in there. Um, but now that they've got A.J. Pollock back and healthy, I don't know where Descalso is going to be. Um, but he certainly is in an interesting spot. So we'll put Kipnis in there for the moment, um, just kind of as a one-off part of an offense that I like. And then I have $2,400 left at catcher. Um, so... I'm just going to go over to, you know, basically try to find a guy who correlates. I can't get another Yankee. Um, I could get, well, Austin Romine is there. I could do Jan Gomes, who is a nice spot against Detroit right there against Jordan Zimmerman. So, you know, he's not going to be anywhere close to the top of that lineup. He's usually in the seven or the eight hole. Um, I could also see myself playing a guy like, you know, Jeff Mathis, if he's in the if he's catching, or Chris Herman, if he's catching for for Arizona, you know, you look for a ballpark plus ballpark situation, a plus lineup, a high total, something like that. Um, you know, that would be where I where I would look for catcher. Uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer that Chirinos and and Lucroy are twenty six hundred, or else I would have thrown them in. Um, definitely would have thrown them in there. Um, so this lineup ends up with Scherzer and a four-man Yankee stack of G-Man Choi, uh, Chase Headley, Didi Gregorius, Jacoby Ellsbury. It was four through seven of the Yankees. Uh, and then Carlos Gomez, Sinsu Chu as two Texas outfield pieces. Jason Kipnis, 2,700 at second base. And Jan Gomes, the Detroit catcher. So I, I think this lineup has a lot of upside. Um, you throw, you, know, you get a, the best pitcher on the slate. You throw in a home run or two from one of these guys randomly, or you just get a productive stack situation. I think this could be a really, really interesting, uh, interesting lineup. I like that. That's not bad. Um, kind of depends on Choi Choi being in the lineup, really. I mean, if Choi isn't in the lineup, then you got to, you know, go back to square one there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I have a lineup, and I've managed to fit Max Scherzer and Aaron Judge into it. Oh, good gracious. You are a troublemaker, Fern. What do you got? Oh, yeah. All right. So Scherzer and Judge. And then I, I'll start with my outfield. I got uh, Max Kepler, 
going up against Gossman at 2,600, bat and cleanup, okay. most likely. Uh, Chris Young, uh, for your Boston Red Sox. I did it, guys. I did it. Uh, going up against um, going up against Odorizzi, and Young is just cheap power potential for Boston. Uh, typically batting, you know, fourth, fifth, sometimes sixth. Um, so in a decent spot there. Um, and then starting with catcher, I'll go Chirinos at 2,600. Uh, Jesus Aguilar uh, from Milwaukee going against your boy, uh, Jordan Montgomery, 2,100. Got that lefty-righty uh, split. Um, and, you know, obviously that yeah. necessitates him going um, – Hold on a second. Okay, yeah, no, and it's uh, it's in New York, so they have the DH. So you have to imagine he or um, Thames will be at first base and DH. Um, he and Thames will be in first base and DH. So I imagine Aguilar will be in the lineup. Um, twenty one hundred is a great price. Uh, yeah, he's used Aguilar is in the lineup against Jordan Montgomery. I would still, I would still. I would play Aguilar shares. Yeah. In that ballpark. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They have, like, the, the, the Milwaukee lineups have been really interesting. Aguilar's in and out of there. Thames is in and out for a while. Um, and then yesterday it looked like it was, like, the most normal one. Um, <laughs> but, God, everybody in that team is just hitting the ball. Yeah. Well, then I got Kipnis, um, Headley, uh, just some cheapish New York exposure and then yeah. steven drew at shortstop total uh of 34 9 got 100 bucks left over so i can you know upgrade downgrade kind of fiddle with it but it's possible um i like all the spots those guys are in and the uh, places i feel most concerned with i guess would be drew um yeah and Maybe Headley. I mean, I could go. I mean, I could upgrade Headley to. Well, there's no one there at three thousand. Um, I mean, I could upgrade Drew. I think. To. No, wait. Can I? Nope. No one at twenty four hundred. Well, you can play with it, but it's possible. Bottom line is, it's possible to build a Scherzer Judge lineup. Um, yeah. And have some decent upside in other spots. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's absolutely interesting. Um, all right, so there's one more one more lineup that I have that is uh, is possibly interesting, um, and it's you know it's Degrom with um, it's Degrom with with some well, it's not gonna well maybe it'll work. Hold on, let me see. It's Degrom with Texas. Okay, so Texas bats with a little bit of Arizona splashed in there. A dash of Arizona, if you will. A dollop. A dollop of, of, a dollop of them. Okay, so this is kind of fun. This is an interesting one. All right, so DeGrom, Arizona former, or excuse me, um, Texas foreman, 
Napoli, Beltre, Gomez, Sinsu Chu. Um, I hate Mike Napoli. I just want to get out there. But he's definitely going to be at first base because Joey Gallo is uh, possibly injured. Um, and if Mike Napoli was ever going to hit a home run, it probably would be off of um, it would probably be off of uh, what's his name, Ricky Nolasco. And he actually has four home runs in. Wow, he has four home runs in five of his last starts, so he's kind of hot. So he's 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 kind of heating up. Mike Napoli is in this this one. So um, I Mike Napoli twenty nine hundred Adrian Beltre. Carlos Gomez in Suchu. I really like that. You get a lot. You got to commit to Texas right there. And then you go and you fill in your infielders with uh, Chris Owings, Daniel Descalso, and and you get David Peralta, who hopefully those guys are kind of, you know, Peralta should be back in there against uh, a righty. And Owings, we know, is pretty good against righties. And Descalso, I think, has been platooning with Drury against righty-lefty. So that's my thought about Descalso. Um, and then I just punt catcher with Martin Maldonado, who hits left-handed pitching really well. He doubled, remember, he double dunked. Martin Maldonado double dunk. Hashtag never forget with Degrom at the top. So four-man Texas stack, a little bit of the desert there, um, and um, uh, punt punt catcher. I got. I like that. I like that. And I got a. Uh, I guess unless you have another one, I can wrap this puppy up. I got a full. Four by four Yankees and uh, D back stack with Go- oh, shit. with Gossman. No, yeah, bud. Oh man, hold on, get your pens out, guys. This is actually really sexy GPP time. I'm doing this one. Do this one right now. All right, so Gossman, and then I'll start with uh, Gare Bear and John. how much is Gossman? Wait, Se- seventy. Sanchez. Yeah, seventy five hundred. Oh my gosh! Yes. This All right. Is really- Gossman, Gary Sanchez, Paul Goldschmidt, Ronald Torres, Jake Lamb, Chris Owings, Aaron Judge, Brett Gardner, Raymond Fuentes. Do you think Fuentes is going to be in there? If he's not, then I can get off of Gardner and go to Ellsbury and then go up to Gregor Blanco. Okay. So okay. it could be, yeah, it could be Ellsbury and Blanco, which is fine. Yeah, exactly. So it, or or wait, or I could get or I could get off of Ellsbury, go to Clint Frazier, and go up to AJ Pollock. So I could go. Okay, so, so basically, I so basically it's uh, Gossman, Sanchez, Goldschmidt, and uh, basically it's Goldschmidt, Lamb. Uh, Sanchez, Judge, and then you can fiddle around with the other stuff. Right, okay. Wait, who do you have at second base right now? Right now I have Torres. Oh, R- Ronnie. Ronald Torres. Yeah, Ron, Ron Don. He might be in there. He might be in there. I mean, I could um, go, I could go, and, and, you know, like, who would you rather use? Torres? against Guerra or Drury against Adelman or Descalso against Adelman. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I have to see where they're batting in the lineup and whatnot. Yeah, that's a good point. Bottom line is, is um, I don't think anybody's going to be on Gossman. And with the, like I, I mean, like I said before, the way he's been pitching lately, like you have to 
assume that he's got 35 points in his back pocket. Yeah, you kind of do. You you kind of do. He has been really good right lately. Right. Um in in the fact that like you just can't really you can't miss out on that. Um you know, and then you could also, I mean, and then here's the other thing is you could just go um you could just go Gossman, Goldie and Lamb, Judge and Gary, and then you have twenty eight hundred and change to fill in the rest of your positions. Um, so you could, you know, just do two mini stacks and then do like a full four man stack somewhere else, you know, or two more mini stacks or four one offs or whatever. Yeah. You definitely could. I mean, I have right now. I have it as, I have it as Gossman with the four men Yankees is Sanchez, Judge, Ellsbury, Tyler Wade. Um, so hopefully Wade is in there at the bottom of the lineup because he's a great punt. Even if he is in the nine hole, um, you don't really mind that because he's just part of such a productive offense in this situation. Um, and. Then, you know, the basically the whole infield is Arizona. Goldie, Descalso, Lamb, Owings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Man. Sweet, man. That, that's uh, This is uh, an exciting slate. I'm, I'm interested to fun. see how it plays out. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is definitely going to be a fun one. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, that's it for us. Good luck in your contests. If you want to get into the cheat sheet, patreon.com slash lineup logic the new month has begun it is only ten dollars and you get a whole month's worth of uh, lineup ideas and of course you know the, the thing that i always say it's great for the recreational players you guys you don't have to go out and do all your own research it's a quick reference get you some ideas to build lineups you listen listen to the show it goes well with the show all that good stuff so um Definitely a, a, a good a good investment, I think. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And uh, I think that, you know, it's going to be – it's just going to be, you know, interesting here on out uh, for, you know, speaking of um, – I, I can't remember exactly what you said. Regular guys, um, not super um, – you know, I don't want to say dedicated, but people spending an inordinate amount of time researching fantasy DFS all day. Um, right now, I just read something recently that you know qualifier season is over, um, and the live finals are coming up um, for FanDuel, DraftKings. So this is kind of when a lot of the sharps uh, start to lower their volume. And start getting ready to shift to um, to football, and yeah. so you know, like, don't forget, you know, we are well into July now. So before you know it, people are going to be um, starting to think less about baseball and more about football. And it's up to you to stay focused, stay committed, you know. And uh, you know, things might, you know, your cash lines might be getting a little lower these days. I don't know. It's possible. So, yeah. so stay, stay, stay with it. You got to remember, there is money to be won. There will be tournaments all the way through September for MLB. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. there is money to be won. Yes, so sir. Do not, do not worry about that. All right, Fern. 
You guys, good luck in your contest, and we will see you mañana. Later. See y'all. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.